0: Hey everybody, just wanted to record a quick intro to let you know that it is my fault that this took 10 years to come out, and you can yell at me if you would like to. Uh, Hilariously, at the end of the podcast, Tommy thanks me for editing this, which he should not have done so prematurely, because I took forever. Uh, I also wanted to say that Tommy's mic wasn't working, which is unfortunate, because it's got kind of a the audio quality is not as up to snuff it's been in the past but i assure you it is very much listenable and their conversation is great and worth listening to i want to thank alex for showing up in my place uh we hope to have him on more in the future so enjoy this podcast all about doll movies and horror Hello and good tidings. Welcome to another episode of Fearless Movie Podcast. This is the 25th episode we're recording here, a little bit of a milestone. We're coming to you on live, as always, from a laptop in Chicago, Illinois. My name is Tommy Isaiah. Absent from our group today is our good friend, Alex Lupella, who's out due to a personal thing, so our heart, our hearts are with him. But I'm down here in the Thunderdome to talk to a couple of friends of mine, Alex Wyke and Nikki Helenza. Say hello, folks.
1: Hey. Uh, hello people.
0: (laughs) So that's it. We're here, and we're rocking and rolling. We're here today to talk about a phenomenon, a subgenre of horror movies. We watched together uh, Annabelle Comes Home. Oh, a delight. Um, We did The New Child's Play and Stuart Gordon's Dolls to bring to y'all a conversation that dives deeply into maybe something that nobody ever wanted to deep dive into, but we're going to talk about doll movies, the f- the subgenre therein, the phenomena, the cult following that lies behind it, why it's caught so much fire over the years, how is it still a thing, what do we love about it, et cetera, et cetera. And without further ado, we'll break right into it. Um, Nikki, what do you think? Why don't we synopsize and then get into opinions Okay. of the of each of the movies one at a time starting with Annabelle comes home um, Nikki will you
2: take Annabelle
0: is that cool Yeah Are you cool with that
2: can you Yeah
0: okay
2: <laughs> I'm having a really hard time giving us or thinking of the synopsis for Annabelle because they're basically in the house of Lorraine
1: and... Ed Warren. Ed Warren. I think I can do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. Can take it away. I okay. just hated that movie. So okay. It. okay, all right. Yeah, so, the, the, the third film in the Annabelle franchise, but chronologically also the third film. <laughs> Unlike Annabelle 2, which is a prequel, uh, the film takes place entirely over the night um, over a night in the Warrens' house, um, the Warrens that are Ed and Lorraine Warren, uh, Vera Farmiga, and Patrick Wilson, briefly on screen and far too little of them. Um, their daughter is being babysat by uh, an incredible young babysitter <laughs> and her um, really rude friend who comes over and disrupts the spirit room. And throughout the duration of the night, uh, Annabelle really messes things up for them. She
2: sure does.
0: She does. That's the, the entire movie. <laughs> there's a lot of sounds. I, I, I would say the highlight in my book was definitely uh, having bad fingers uh, day after day off the album straight up. Not just play one time, but like several Never. times throughout the movie to the point where I was like, okay, this was better the first time I heard it. But good soundtrack, I, I good set.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I want to live in the house that Annabelle haunts.
2: Oh, my God. I'll take it with the haunts. There was like seven times in the movie where Tommy and I were like, okay, but this house,
1: though, <laughs> like, it's so good. See, it was way, for me, it was way too horizontal. It was like a bunch of stairs that you would inexplicably die falling down, even if <laughs> they were, like, two feet tall. Yeah. And a basement, which definitely stank, but you obviously, like, can't tell. Yeah. Through so the <laughs> <a> visual <laughs> medium, right? Sure um, <clears throat> I do, like, you know, here's our storage room of, uh, you know, stolen colonialist knickknacks, but, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, I'm sure the bedroom, the bedrooms weren't so hot though, you know?
2: Right. You yeah, got right.
1: It's like one of those things where the storage space is like the nicest room in the house. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> and
2: Absolutely. also,
1: like, they didn't indulge in 70s fashion because they were like Christian fascists and they really managed to reflect that in the production design. Um, but, uh, I mean, still, yeah. I mean, even owning a house
0: would be a huge step up. So, yeah. of course, yeah. I was jealous. Are the <laughs> characters – so, like, I watched The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2, but this is the only time that I've dipped a toe into the Annabelle series. Oh, sure. Um, obviously, um, the Warrens uh, are in The Conjuring. They're, like, based on people – they're based on, like, real exorcists, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, can we unpack that? Are they – I a portrayed at all realistically in their heroic light in the movie because obviously they're made to be the good guys. And B, um, are, you said they're they're like Christian fascists. Like, yeah, there's something to that. There,
1: but I mean, I'm just mine's definitely conjecture. But there's definitely charlatans, um, and they're also behind Amityville. So that was their most most notorious haunt. Um, Lorraine Warren actually died this year
0: The real woman Yeah, the
1: real people are behind real haunts I mean, you know, whether or not you believe in ghosts Remains to be seen But I think also people who believe in ghosts Tend to think that they're still complete frauds Um, Mm -hmm. And that all signs point to them being fictionalized So that's the weirdest element of the Conjuring franchise Including The Nun and also the Annabelle films Is that they're like straight propaganda for this couple Which I think is... Funny because I don't know the kind of with, uh, contrasts with the Christian moral undertones of the movie, which like you know the the flux of most of these movies like protect the family unit, protect the family unit. Mm-hmm. When in real life, it seems like Ed and Lorraine Warren's main pursuit was like destabilizing and like
0: ruining family lives in pursuit of money and notoriety. Um, Certainly, and that and that and that that kind of breaks into the and it gets away a little bit from the the, the film side of it, but talking about the understanding that, like, performing an exorcism at a time before, like, psychological advance, or, you know, psycholo- psychiatric medicine being as advanced as it is now, people were kind of just, um, uh, what's a good word for it? They were just diagnosing uh, real mental illnesses as, like, demons inside of you know, yeah. people's minds. It's like my wife has to buy a bureau. We have to put her down kind of (laughs) (laughs) crazy. Um, (laughs) So that is definitely so like the Amityville story has been told a lot of times in, and I never knew that it was anything other than a, a movie, like a movie about a haunted house, you know, but I guess so this series decides very purposefully to put these like true li- or not true to life, but like these these characters from from like real haunted yeah. episodes.
1: That's interesting to dramatize real people and theoretically real events. I do think and I haven't done enough research into this, but I'm pretty sure like the entirety of the Annabelle franchises, there's no there's no relationship to actual events outside of there being an Annabelle doll, hmm. whereas like I think the Amityville movies are more closely modeled off of like what they wrote and documented of their hauntings and stuff
2: like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious about the Annabelle doll as it exists in real life and sort of, so in the movies, I don't know how close this mirrors reality, they always claim like this is like the most evil sort of entity they've encountered in their room of various artifacts that they've collected. And I'm curious, like, do you happen to know anything about I, the, the real Annabelle or like I where is I think it's a Raggedy Ann
0: doll. I maybe mean, have heard that too. <laughs> Will you Google it?
2: Yeah. Let me Google.
0: Um,
1: she certainly doesn't look anything like the doll in the movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not even like vaguely. Like.
2: Straight. Up, yeah, it's
1: an animal. Oh, it is it's just straight, straight up raggedy, raggedy ann doll. Yes. Not an even up. like raggedy ann doll with some like with a sleeve tattoo and like scars. Just it's just a, just a nice looking and raggedy ann doll.
2: Tattoo. And they <laughs> you know? really do. So I have a an image on Google open, and so basically the premise. Oh my god, I'm already getting into like my problem with doll movies through this. Thing.
0: Let's get into <laughs> is a good it. angle.
2: So Annabelle, I've seen all of the movies. I don't know why. I know I hate them, but I've seen all of them on the premiere night. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hate myself for it.
1: Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> um, I love that.
2: But the whole premise of Annabelle comes home, so they're in the house, it takes place overnight, like you said, Alex. But really, the issue with this is everything would have been fine if you just kept the doll in the case. And that's my whole issue. It's like everything that happens in this movie and really most doll movies to me is human error. But anyway, so the the image that I'm looking at on Google is cracking me up because we have the Raggedy Ann doll also in a glass case as I'm guessing she is supposed to stay to keep out the evil or keep the evil within whatever you want to call it. And it's like, the world will go on fine as long as this raggedy end all just stays in that case. Like, let's just all agree not to open it. And that was just the thing that, like, made me so mad about this movie. It's just, like, this one girl did this one dumb thing.
1: Um, I think they're fucking hubris, um, though, to lock it between two key locks. Like, if Annabelle is the the fate of the world, why on yeah. earth isn't she in the basement of, like, a mosque, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. behind ten layers of lead. Or, like, yeah. or like in the chamber from the X-Men movies, you know? Why is she in, like, a, a vintage yeah. glass cabinet better suited for, like, precious moments? Like, sitting on, like, a
2: stool yeah. almost, or, like, the smallest table.
1: Frankly, if she wasn't haunted,
0: she should still be behind many doors because right. she's the ugliest object ever conceived. That's one her. thing about it that, like, I know... We've talked about, which is like, if you want to create like, you know, the demon in the doll, you know, if you if you want to tell the story of a possessed object, the conceit is that you're like trifling with innocence, right? Like you're taking a thing that is a kid's toy, like in the words of the, um, like in the words of the grandfather, the proprietor in the of the house and the movie dolls, Stuart Gordon, he's like, Oh, little girl is incomplete without her doll, you know, so like totally innocence, just trying to bastardize this thing that is otherwise sort of pure or ostensibly. So like, really, the design of the Annabelle doll has been a turnoff to me since day one, like yeah. make it look Chucky was funny looking, but Chucky was also played for humor from day one.
1: And he moves.
0: Um, And he moves. Which Mm -hmm. Annabelle has yet to move in a single movie. The closest thing she
1: does to move in a movie is in Annabelle 2 when a demon lifts her. And then we get the revelation that it's, you know, a fucking demon lifting her and not Annabelle levitating.
2: If her face moved, I'd be like,
1: game. Team Annabelle. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But uh, what'd you say?
2: Didn't she, like crawl under the covers and Annabelle comes home? She was just
1: there under the covers and then a, um, and then a demon
2: jumped out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. We didn't, like, watch her yeah. crawl her little I mean, body.
1: and unequivocally, you know, these movies, I think, are horrible. I couldn't even believe that Annabelle 3 was worse than the other two. It was, <laughs> we saw it on my birthday and it was, like, <laughs> you uh-huh. know, fitting, but also just, like, it's all downhill from here, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like a, an uh-huh. homage to, like, <laughs> to our eventual collective extinction that this is, like, the only thing to compete with, like, yeah. Disney box office, I'm like no wonder movies are dying. But yeah. um, but
2: then like assholes like us go to the theater to see it, and I'm I, like,
1: oh, I feel brain. no guilt over yeah. seeing it. About three, I mean, make that be but clear. clear I just wish ill upon the filmmakers. Yeah, yeah, I, just, yeah sure. I mean, just move the doll, make the doll move. Which to me, like the reason I like doll movies is because the trope was like dead on arrival. You know, back to like Dead of Night in I think the 30s, which is like an early anthology with a Ventriloquist doll segment, the Ventriloquist doll and doll episodes of the Twilight Zone. The trope was played out by like the 5th movie. I think even the 5th movie iterating on it probably even before Child's Play. It was already dead, which is why that movie employs some comedy and then like every other subsequent movie, you know, plays plays totally for comedy. Um this, you know, the Annabelle movies seem to disdain the doll genre, which is why I dislike them because they market themselves as doll movies when they're
0: haunting mm-hmm. movies mm-hmm. and really like milk toast ones, you know? Right. They, um, they are definitely more akin to a haunted house than like a possessed thing. Again, and it has everything to do with the fact that Annabelle doesn't move. Yeah. She yeah. exists in this case. This room of terrors is <laughs> essentially just like, um, like a, like a, cabin-in-the-woods-style, like, whiteboard of, like, look at all the different sh- franchises we can make. We can make one about the evil monkey. And, like, Yeah. yeah the, the coin, man. coin
1: man. Yeah, we yeah. got the coin man now. Baby, like, don't drop the change. <laughs>
2: yeah. oh, my act to say, though, like, the most – I got literal joy out of this scene in the movie. <laughs> it's towards the end. All of this shit is happening. The babysitter – Goes to her friend Daniela, who's the one that like started all this shit. She took the key, got into the room of artifacts,
1: cut her bangs.
2: Yeah, (laughs) really harshly. And like this room probably has no less than like 100 items in it at minimum, just small little trinkets throughout the room. (laughs) All this shit's going on, and the friend goes, Daniela, what did you touch? And she just like deadpan with just tears goes everything she <laughs> so went around this whole damn room and touched all yeah. 100 of these little teeny things <laughs> Oh, I'm she
1: also dying. filled out a locket which is like I mean even <laughs> kleptomaniacs don't outfit in the jewelry they steal <laughs> yeah. they probably just like you know love looking at the picture of somebody else's family but no Daniela had to yeah. put in a picture of her dead
0: dad yeah um, she was a definite, doing definitely mm-hmm. problematic character throughout the whole the whole thing and it and, and it's worth – like, it's cool that we watch these different movies because she's – because they approach the – the three movies we watched appro- approach, like, the scary doll in a different way mm-hmm. each time. And this one definitely, yeah, it relies really heavily on having to do that thing, which some horror movies make you do, and it is really brutal, of being like, you're the dumbest motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You're so dumb. You like – and I, there are two ways – to create um, a, a sense of, like, morality uh, enough in an audience member to be like, yeah, we can watch this innocent person die and it'll be fine. And one is the loss of innocence in the beginning of the first Friday of the 13th movie. Of course, it's a sex scene. And then they die before the credits roll. Sex is a great way to lose innocence. Sure. And then um, dumb, stupid bullshit. Like – making poor decisions time and time again so much to the fact where the audience is just like well you just deserve it now Mm -hmm. and in either case i don't need it and i don't love the like the i don't i don't think that the tech that taking the time to like create a character that's unlikable just to push the story along is it's a disservice to your audience in every case and Stuart gordon takes no steps in that direction Stuart gordon's like oh it'll be more believable if you get to follow a person making poor choices to create this Mm -hmm. terrible scenario well then i'll just make it less believable because i don't want to take the time to follow a person being stupid i mean the closest thing to it are just like those like kleptomaniac like yeah but a goth chicks yeah
1: chicks i guess i mean i love like the and an evil girl in a movie, right? And I don't mean like the antagonist of a movie, but just like a rude girl. If anything, like for me, the girl in Annabelle Three was just like not rude enough. I'm like, yeah, exactly. What, who cares about your grief? She's, I'm like, just make her yeah. like greedy or dumb. Like yeah. she was, and like mm-hmm. the the highlights of the movie. I mean, it's a stretch to even call them that. Or her just being like difficult, you know? Or her being like, no, we're ordering pizza, you know, like that kind of thing. Because <laughs> to me, that's aspirational versus the two other girls, which are like beyond ciphers. And it's pretty absurd. that that given how many times they've had like the daughter of the Warrens character in these movies, I think this is her third or maybe fourth appearance. um, You know, she's like nobody, the daughter of the Warrens, but, and yet she's haunted in every single movie, and there's always this dueling subplot of like, and what's happening at home? You know, that's in the fir- I believe it's in the first Conjuring, and then they expand it in the second one. It's like, what's happening to our, you know, our daughter? This mm-hmm. woman's probably alive and exists too. So I wonder what she thinks about these yeah. um, yeah. stupid movies which portray her home life as
0: absolutely horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm sure, she just you know takes the check if there's one to cash and yeah. cashes it. And oh yeah, like
2: well, if yeah. nothing else, she should just be making it ton
0: of money yeah make money and don't don't necessarily
2: yeah
1: watch it well i think (laughs) i like a realistic looking doll because like if a doll is a cipher for a child's love or an affection it has to be believable whereas you know annabelle one the mom loves the doll the pregnant woman in annabelle one appreciates the doll because it's an antique but outside of that I don't remember if in Annabelle 2 any of the girls gawk over how beautiful the doll is. But, you know, well, first of all, that's the best moment if you have an ugly doll. So they pull that punch. But second Mm -hmm. of all, it's certainly more convincing if you're trying to make a legitimate doll movie to have the doll be believable on any level. Right. And it's very normal to have ugly dolls that people own and buy, just not as ugly as Annabelle, right? Right. Um, Children will appreciate a doll that's like creepy or hideous. Um, adult men <laughs> will appreciate <laughs> right. a doll. I'm gesturing to myself. Um, <laughs> will appreciate a doll that's sort of ugly and eerie if it has character. The Annabelle doll, meanwhile, is like it's a you know it's a reject prop. Stuart Gordon wouldn't even put it in dolls because no. it's so beneath like mm-hmm. the set design of that movie. Right. Um,
2: and I think with Annabelle comes home, you don't basically she is just a prop for that whole movie. There's she's not even used in like the traditional way of a doll trope where there is, like you said, that relationship with a a child or with some other member where you get that of child's play. You have Andy who deeply loves Chucky or even dolls, a little girl. So there's no relationship between the doll and any character. They fucking hate it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, is that even part, I don't know, like what elements of that make it a doll subgenre movie other than it is physically a doll but nothing else it might as well have been any other artifact
1: you're right that brings them into contact with Annabelle there's Mm -hmm. never like a natural flex to the doll like uh very rarely in those movies do people even pick up the doll and be like oh I'm compelled by this it's almost Mm -hmm. always like oh the fucking doll is in my crib or it's in my bed you know which I I don't really buy as like an, in a compelling direction because, right. you know, in talking about doll tropes, I love in a, a scene in a doll movie when somebody says, oh, I found this hilarious doll in the trash. Did you mean to throw it out? Yeah. And the person like cowers and bursts into tears. <laughs> like I was so close to getting rid of, you know, yeah. candy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Annabelle, yeah, the, the lack of that moment where she gets picked up and marveled at, that lack of, like you said, Nikki, connection or love mm-hmm. to the doll really demerits what the genre is built on, which is like, to me, hilarious. Somebody looked, okay, we did a podcast and had conversations about kids in movies, kids as the, the scary part of a movie. Um, the, the concept there is similar to the concept of dolls, which is like somebody looked and was just like, oh, yeah, th- those dolls are creepy. You know, those dolls are kind of creepy looking like I was in an American girl doll shop and I saw the eyes around me and it made me uncomfortable or something like that. And it just like it stirs this emotion inside of you that already exists, this like fear of the accepted, you know, fear, you know, and I I wish that like fear of like I, I wish that Annabelle dipped into it more so that it could join like the rest of these movies in in kind of playing toward that fear of the accepted. Like Rosemary's Baby is another exa- example of fear of the accepted in my opinion. Like the acceptable process of like becoming pregnant and having a child and it's like, oh yeah, well what if we put a little mud into the eye of that plan? You mm-hmm. know, and then you have, uh, Duke is another like kid being creepy, but like, it is like, they do undertone grief w- with, with, a lot of, with a lot of what goes on in Duke. and that might be not the purest example but uh taking away that love connection does yeah does not do like takes away the innocence and makes the doll less scary yeah mm-hmm. and they did that for the purposes of like physically making the doll look more scary yeah. but in going and making the doll look scarier you made it less you of a scary thing in your movie yeah
1: i also feel like it's a it's a um a logistical choice they're making because doll movies, the hardest and best thing about doll movies is the animatronics and the special and practical effects mm-hmm. underlying like making dolls do things. And I think with the Annabelle movies they've just opted entirely out of animating the object because they have no interest in it, which to me is like making a shark movie when you don't want to look at pictures of sharks you know i'm like uh why don't you just make a haunting movie yeah but you know like i agree with what you're saying about the soul of the doll and i think it's the responsibility of any good doll movie to have a, a narrative in which other people's in spirit, the doll you know like yeah. they they at the very least afford to it meaning if not outright recognize there's a soul there and a lot of doll movies also have an arc of, like, the morality or the benevolence of the spirit, right? Because, and even in this Chucky reboot, you know, it was about AI, but I also think like, the doll very much had a soul, and that's an argument about AI, but, you know, the arc of the character is that it's good and then it becomes bad, kind of like Christine or something like that, right? You have to have other people rend it with meaning and relevance. Mm-hmm. Or or the movie The Boy, um, you know, the whole arc of that movie is like, well, Brahms is sort of malevolent or, or pernicious and then he's not, you know? And that kind of tête-à-tête is, a, you know, is the eroticism of the doll movie is what keeps it compelling and is what keeps you compelled in the fate and meaning of a doll object. It can't just be blanket malevolent mm-hmm. at least with the dolls movie by Stuart gordon, gordon you have like the doll society you know they have their <laughs> rules and their rigor which is like a, a totally different take oh i love it um uh, you know like and they're civilized people. but also not you know they live yeah. within this mansion um that's a responsibility of a good kid in a doll's movie is like to to rent the doll with
0: meaning you know mm-hmm. I, and i think in Truckee they do that I, th- I think i think uh it's a little different because the kid's like, no, it's stupid, you know, but they give it meaning because they may, because like, okay, let's, let's do, let's get into Chucky. So, um, the, the, the nuts and bolts of, of the new Chucky movie are, um, they've changed the Chucky or the buddy doll to be, um, instead of just a regular stuffed doll, it's now like an, uh, like an Alexa, but, but with a stuffed animal wrapped around it. So it's like, um, it's but with a stuffed doll wrapped around it so it's like um it controls your home it can turn your tv on and like change the temperature on your nest device oh but also like it belongs to your kid for some reason which yeah. is hilarious they bond yeah it's marketed to your kid um it, it, again it's like an alexa inside of a of a doll and, or uh I don't want to give Amazon that money. It's like a, it's like a Google home inside of a <laughs> Yeah, um, But uh, it's just, it's, it, they do endear it because um, the meaning doesn't necessarily come from the kid. He thinks it's dumb and he hates it. But like all of his friends are like, Oh, where'd you get that? And then um, like they keep showing like commercials on TV for the new one. So like there is like a societal acceptance of, the doll and i i use quotes for the the doll and chucky because it's not it's like a home device yeah um which was a cool turn and then of course kid comes into a corrupted version of this of the buddy um things go awry after that Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you know I, i don't think the synopsis requires too much expose beyond that but it's it's you know it it was fun it took no it took almost no time Um, like creating any sympathy for any of the characters, uh, they're the ones who aren't going to make it, you know, right away. (laughs) Uh, and then the sequences of the actual kills from the doll are at least refreshing because he like moves around and like leaves the house and, and, and they kind of like take on a little bit of a slasher movie vibe, uh, for a couple of scenes. And then at the end, you know, it goes off the rails. Yeah. Uh, what did y'all? What did y'all take on? Take? What was y'all take on Child's Play? This remake.
2: So you and me saw Child's Play, and we and I wish you didn't dab. <laughs> uh, and we both ended it like all oh, this sucks. But however, I rewatched the original one today, which I hadn't seen in a, a number of years, and I came to really appreciate the remake only because like my whole issue like what I brought up at the beginning with doll movies is for me, it's just like the believability factor of a doll that kills or inspires death among the people around it. Um, So to me, I'm always asking like, what's the actual threat of the doll? So like in Annabelle, to me, it's like you lock her in a box. It's fine. As long as no one opens the box, we're fine. Sure. It's a possessed doll. Um, In the original child's play, which I didn't even remember like how, Chucky originally became evil and essentially like a bad man puts some sort of like spell. The yeah. He puts, he yeah. does
1: a as Charles Lee Ray.
0: Charles yeah. Lee Ray. I was going to try and remember Ray. his name.
2: Yeah. And so, you know, does some sort of spell, kind of puts himself into this doll. Um, so in that way, it's also to me in a similar vein of Annabelle where it's more of like a possession type situation. So with the new child's play, what makes it bad is there's like a man who's working in the factory that makes these dolls and is just having a bad fucking time Mm -hmm. at his job. And basically like the microchip that makes the, the, I don't even, what is it? The buddy doll, whatever. I'll just keep calling him Chucky. That's what it's called. Chucky the buddy doll. (laughs) Like basically just turns off all of the safety features. It's not like he puts any sort of like spell or any sort of, um, he you just remove the yeah. Remove so the
1: morality shift, which, by <laughs> the way, is just a, is just one of the Simpsons Treehouse of horror segments oh. where the crusty doll comes to life, and at the end they they say, "Oh, you need to check out the switch," and they. And they pull out oh, the, yeah, you know, My crusty yeah. doll, and he has a switch that's set to evil. evil. And they flip it down to oh God. Right? my gosh. Right.
0: Yeah, uh, that's so not
1: how this movie necessarily resolves, but it is implicitly the exact same thing. They
2: right.
0: do. It's a morality chip and a violence inhibitor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember like, being tickled by for that.
2: whatever reason, I really appreciated that aspect because, to me, it made, and the fact that this doll is, like, connected to the cloud and can control your heat and, like, can turn on the table saw that's just sitting in your, you know, warehouse. Like, that's the part I liked because I thought, oh, you're, you're, there's an actual threat there. Like, I can actually die at the hands of this doll, even if I can't, like, physically put him in a fucking box.
1: Yeah, especially you because you live ocean. in a smart household, right?
2: Yes, as a woman with two Alexas <laughs> in my home.
1: <laughs> One of which was cast out of mine because I knew it was satanic. Yeah. That's not a joke.
2: Alex literally gave me his Annabelle. And I
1: said, I love her, but she's, she's bad. She's <laughs> evil. And I said, I wiped her.
2: Yeah, she's and gone. gave her to me. And I now I have her, two. So, bad. like, I am the perfect victim for the remake Child's Play. So, I, so that's what I appreciated about this one. I understand that maybe to, like, the original arc of Child's Play, like, really big divergence from the story, et cetera. I don't have strong thoughts on that because I'm not really connected to the franchise very strongly other than Seed um, of Chucky and Bride of Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: Seed and the Bride. So, good. <laughs> yeah. so
2: other than that, I don't know. So it was an interesting comparison to me having just watched both of them. and Yeah the same couple of weeks?
1: For me, well, first it goes, I mean, it's worth mentioning that they cut John Mancini, who, you know, helmed the entire Child's Play franchise out of the reboot. They gave him uh, an option of a name credit, but then uh, he didn't want it because they were pretty much taking the franchise in a completely different, different direction as well as cutting out Brad Dorif. And it's sad because he's one of the few sort of like gay um horror franchise owners, so that is a bummer, but, um, begrudgingly, like, I really appreciated the new movie, um, and I thought that the AI choice was pretty inspired, because I don't think that the original franchise, which I love, ever did anything interesting with Satanic Panic, outside of that being, you know, like, what undergirds the entire franchise, um, for me, like a great moment in an original child play that never happened, would have been a really violent possession scene of Andy. But instead, we just have the doll sort of like chanting above Andy while placing his hand over his heart. Um, you know, and one thing that we can't even get into today is doll transformations, and more so the <laughs> lack of them in films because that's really what I need and for the entire kind of uh, genre. But
0: well, we'll touch on it just a little. Yeah,
1: bit, yeah, yeah. I think. Um, but I thought that. Uh, I thought it was an inspired choice because they went straight to comedy and they didn't play any of the tropes about like, oh, look, or they played very few of the tropes where you say, oh, look, the doll moved. Oh, look, I don't think that I was open or like, I didn't think the the doll's head was at a 90 degree angle when I left the room. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. instead they start out from square one with Mark Hamill doing like very fucked up animatronic uh, expressions, uh, you know, through the new child doll. And them knew my buddy, and they also opt out completely of having anyone ever say the doll is beautiful. And you know, the child finds utility in it not because he thinks it's uh, gorgeous or kind, but he sort of like begrudgingly accepts it. It's kind of like of mice and men for the first thirty minutes. You know, <laughs> like I can't control this doll, um, and you know, the Chucky doll only becomes evil after it watches Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, um, while the kids Which are I watching right it. Now, yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I sort of, you know, I just appreciated how many practical effects there were in the new Child's Play movie, and I think the worst part of the movie by far are the three moments of CGI, which come out of nowhere and seem completely pointless. Um, which, like
0: well, there was me? one
1: where a doll, a bear doll, leaps at a man's face, um, and near the end of the movie, without spoiling anything, Chucky. Jumps, and it looks uh, like a shot from The Last Airbender. You know, it just doesn't look <laughs> yeah. like it's even in the same movie. Versus an earlier scene in the movie where um, uh, our Andy—I don't remember if he's named Andy in the new
2: movie—where
1: yeah. where Andy tries to get Chucky to make a scary face to make his neighbors uncomfortable, and it's about a forty-five second bit that I thought was just like uproariously funny, where he mm-hmm. tries to con- he tries to teach Chucky how to smile and the dolls to fucked to do it, you
2: know. <laughs>
1: um, and, I, you know, I was giggling in the theater and I thought that was, like, a total home run of a moment. Um, I think the third act gets really stale and I don't really think the stakes are ever that high. Mm-hmm. They also stranger things it out with his, com- his posse of oh, um, yeah. trendy kids. What's the girl's name? It's like Leather or Tucker or something. Non- I know that the guy's name Phelan. was Pug. Phelan Phelan. and Pug. Yeah, they strangers. Yeah, plugged. they so, <laughs> for me like the nader of the movie is when the third act kicks in and we we discover that along with Andy Phelan and Pug are our two protagonists <laughs> protecting the family unit, I'm um, a pug which man, I thought was just. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they're funny enough, but I just you know, despite loving dolls, I can't stand kids. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you know, that didn't really work <laughs> for me. But uh, but. uh you know, I was begrudgingly appreciative of the new film. Um, I would like them to somehow meld the franchises. And I do take umbrage with the marketing behind the movie, which says that we've changed Chucky from being a, uh, a possessed doll to being AI, simply because, I mean, I don't want to get too ontological, but what constitutes a person or a personality? Chucky knows enough and learns enough to essentially be just like a – a slightly less sophisticated human child, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the movie that's his greatest attribute is that he matures over the duration of the movie, um, and it is not a child's play thing at a certain point. If anything, Andy has to sort of deparent him or throw him in the dumpster because he's a bad kid, you know, mm-hmm. or a bad friend. Um, but I appreciated that because dolls, I think, are usually played as uh, adults, Adults figures, adult figures, mm-hmm. dolls are usually played as adult characters, even yeah. though they're always taking on the visage of a small child. And I appreciated that for once Chucky was a little boy named Chucky and all for mm-hmm. all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. despite being voiced by Mark Hamill doing
0: an incredibly funny voice. You yeah, know? Mark Hamill's great. I, I thought that I thought that the change from the Charles Lee Ray to a kid, I, ha- I hadn't thought of that, but, but he does, yeah, have the demeanor. I mean, uh, an instance in which his, in which his, I mean, Chucky, the buddy doll, an instance in which Chucky's childlike, uh, persona, like adds to the movie, in my opinion, is when you get to watch him take what Andy's saying very literally and in his like, you know, amoral violence, uninhibited mind, you're like, oh shit, that's going to get dangerous pretty quick. But he's like, oh, you don't like the cat, Andy. I don't like the cat, you know, yeah. that kind of shit. And you're like, Oh, okay. Like that creates like a, the emulation from the doll to the kid creates, I think a little bit of what you were saying and does provide some fun stuff for the yeah. movie, you know, a little shots of Chucky standing in the closet, you know, like in time, you know, like in timeout, but he's not in timeout. His eyes are just like turning red and he's mm-hmm. like, menacing yeah and i
1: thought that was a very satirical moment i don't know if there's a word for the trope in movies where like a person bonds with an object or an individual whatever you know a spirited object um and it does their bidding despite their wishes like it literally interprets what they think and feel and murders the people who Mm. are competing for their affection right? right um there ought to be a word, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> and I think, like, that was another moment that you're talking about that really nicely satirized the doll genre. Because it was like, we all know what's going to happen. Is that Chucky's going to um, receive misdirection and not understand how to function in the human world. Um, so really by having Mark Hamill almost gleefully say, you know, you don't like the child or you don't like the cat. yeah, I'm losing my... Bearings, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, having Mark Hamill play it off in that way is actively funny because you can smell from a mile away what he's going to do, mm-hmm. and it's more about the splendor of the doll animatronic and the voice behind it, mm-hmm. and then the gore of the cat's inevitable death,
2: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. I have a question. I don't know if it's I don't. I want to ask it now because I feel like we've talked about two different yeah. types of dolls, um, even though we haven't really talked about the movie dolls yet, but. So we've kind of talked about we have like Annabelle and the original Chucky that are have that like possession quality. And and then we were also talking about the original Chucky kind of assuming an adult character like role. And then we have this new Chucky that is AI and is not possessed. It wasn't made by someone who is evil. It is just literally like malfunctioned. So I'm kind of curious, like what. We think about the different iterations of the evil doll. What do we think like makes them good, bad? I don't know. Like, what do we like to see in an evil? As someone who does not enjoy the doll subgenre at all, there are definitely like iterations of a bad doll in a movie mm-hmm. that like I appreciate mm-hmm. more than others. It's right I've over the. One of
0: them. It's like right over the plate at the beginning of Annabelle, where they're like, demons can possess humans, but they can also possess
1: objects like, ah, really? I don't know meanwhile Annabelle never How yeah. <laughs> like well, she. always she? Really? straight up for me it's like all of the craft of the doll object like it's an en- enormously important part of these movies and it's the reason that the original child's play was sort of a success and was able to spawn more films is because not only did Chucky change over time but his first iteration was convincing enough right it really mm-hmm. registers as an 80s doll that's ominous but also viable mm-hmm. and believable right and I mean quite literally buyable, like buyable at a store. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I don't think that dolls in these movies have to be believable in that sense, but I do think they have to be compelling visually. Mm -hmm. Um, The movie, The Boy, that came out recently, I think is like very underrated, and I love how Brahms, the doll, looks in that movie. Even though it's a pretty generic version of a doll, it's much more powerful because it's generic, and it actually sort of heightens those moments of like, did the doll just move? Because – because you buy into the character's psyche in the sense that she she thinks this couldn't possibly be alive because the doll doesn't look so explicitly evil, right? Mm-hmm. I have not uh, heard of that movie. Can you clue me into it? Oh, sure, movie? yeah. The doll came out a few years ago, um, and it's a movie about a woman escaping a dark past who is paid by a couple to babysit a child alone in a mansion. Um, but when she arrives at the mansion, she discovers that the child she has to babysit is actually uh, a doll. <laughs> oh, okay. And over time, uh, small occurrences lead her to bl- Believe that the doll may in fact be alive—that the way the way that these like seemingly crazy people think it is—I mm-hmm. um, appreciate that movie. It's one of those rare movies where the the character thinking like this doll is possessed or the strife they experience as other people don't believe them was believable. Um, but you know, weirdly enough, it did much worse critically than any of the Annabelle movies, um, which yeah, shocks
0: me. Annabelle's uh, got—it's got some. I think it's just got the conjuring to it too. Yeah. Like people really love that. Yeah. Uh, are you looking at Dead Silence right now? I am. No. Dead I, was, I was thinking, we haven't
2: even really touched on, like, the ventriloquism that's, style
1: doll. That's a creepy doll. That's my Island. entry point to doll movies. Is yeah. like So when I was a kid, I was a very late bloomer, but um, I my first sort of, like, issue with maturation was, like, that I couldn't sleep because I was afraid of things. And I had a very vivid memory of when I was four or five thinking that the Lisa Simpson doll we owned had spoken to me. Um, and up until, I think, maybe 12 or 13, I, I relied on this memory as, like, a true thing that happened until one day questioning it again. Um, But at a certain crux in, like, my way early puberty, I flipped, a switch flipped in my brain from thinking that dolls were, like, the most terrifying thing, you know, not being able to sleep after seeing a shot from Child's Play where Chucky climbs the stairs to thinking they were, like, the funniest thing and the most illicit thing and, like, that they totally embodied the camp factor of horror movies where a a scary object is also a hilarious object is also a violent object Mm -hmm. and all of those sort of, like, contrasting emotional states uh, become localized in what is an absurd prop, right? Yeah. Essentially, just an absurd prop. Um,
0: was there a movie that went along with that transition. Child's
1: Play. Yeah, Child's Child Play. Child Play. Was, uh, oh, well, I watched the Twilight Zone episode, of The Dummy. Um, if We're talking about ventriloquist dummies. I was incredibly scared of Night of the Living Dummy from the Goosebumps series, both in print <laughs> and on screen. And okay. the TV show, I think, they had multiple episodes. Um, one starring Hayden Christian... Anderson from Star Wars, by the way, um, and Jumper. uh, Hayden Christian. Yeah, Hayden Christian. Hayden Christian Anderson. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's
0: Uh, a good one, uh, though. Yeah, it's my (laughs) new Christian (laughs) Hayden. It's my new (laughs) drag name.
1: Uh, uh, But I, uh, you know, I also saw the, the ventriloquist dummy episode of The Twilight Zone, and that scared the fuck out of me as a child. Um, and then understand. I saw, you know, Chucky climbing the, scare, the stairs, and my mom used to threaten me as a kid that she would buy a Chucky doll if I didn't behave, that's because I was so scared of it. Um, until one day I said, hey, mom, you know, I just thought about it, and I'm not scared of Chucky anymore. <laughs> Good luck coming up with any stakes with which to yes, punish me, so you know. Funny. In fact, now I think he's like the funniest thing in the world, and I went and watched all the movies. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah,
1: So that was where my fascination with it began. Um, And ever since then, I've been collecting dolls and trinkets like that, you know. Not necessarily creepy ones because they need to be kissable and huggable and lovable. So I don't particularly want, like, one of those hideous deformed Chucky dolls or an Annabelle for that matter. But I would pay, like five hundred dollars for one of the dolls from the movie dolls like that would be the, <laughs> yeah. an incredible incredible prop down mr punch yeah mr punch
0: oh gorgeous i uh, i have an answer to your question Nikki. it's very similar to yours alex i'll just change one thing which is my example okay. so i too think that the answer to like what type of doll do you like in a doll movie has more to do with um the look much like to what alex said mm-hmm. the look of a doll to me that penetrated and scared the crap out of me as a kid i was 12 or 13 years old when the first one came out the doll from saw oh yeah not just to do yeah thank you not just to do a little layup here but (laughs) that fucking thing when it wheeled up in the commercial (laughs) of the first movie. i i remember like watching that trailer over and over again and being like okay i'm gonna do do it i can do it i can do it i can finish the trailer
2: I can't finish the trailer,
0: and then I wouldn't finish the trailer. So good. I'm
2: such a bait. I almost appreciate, like, the doll, like, the person that's connected to the doll, kind of what we've been talking about. So I wouldn't say I, I super enjoy the, like, ventriloquist type of doll, but I always appreciate that. The person who is the ventriloquist, like, they're always fucking weirdo. And they're always obsessed with their doll. Like I've never seen any movie show any, like even fucking Goosebumps. You have a, like a little girl who's obsessed with Slappy,
1: or they're terrorized the by the doll, right? Like right. Scarface from Batman the Animated or ventriloquist. Series. There's a few ventriloquist yeah. iterations where they're like, where they have to rely on the doll for their income, right? Right. Which is one of the Slappy iterations, and then
2: right. And there's like an initial one where she's like enamored by it, and it's almost like this connection. And even in Dead, Silence, I had to remind myself the plot of Dead Silence. Oh, Mary Shaw. Let's hear all about her,
0: it. It's probably a pretty juicy plot, huh? Incredibly trailer, underrated
2: movie. There was like a little poem that was in the trailer. I think I know what's of it. Beware the stare of Mary Shaw. She had no children, only dolls. Uh, and if if you see her in your dreams or something, like don't ever scream or some shit. And basically if you see her, she like rips your tongue. Yeah, but she was humiliated during doll. that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it always hurt my feelings when the kids wrote that song about me, for sure. But I know. Uh, <laughs> well, it was a
2: documentary. Yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah. It's I an it. incredibly really underrated movie, though, I think. It's yeah. spooky. It's, it's, it's it James Wan, too. So, oh. you know, you mentioned Jigsaw, but that is sandwiched between his Conjuring films and uh, Saw. That's, That's really yeah. interesting. Right? Uh-huh. Which he directed, right? You know, James Wan clearly has an affection for dolls. And I will point out that even though he birthed Annabelle in Conjuring 1, she's barely a centerpiece in the movie. I'm not bothered by her lack of animation because the movie delivers on so many other poltergeist friends, right? Mm -hmm. And she's more just another iteration of, like, the space around you being problematic, as opposed to a specific anthropomorphic object, right? Yeah. But either way, James Wan—he loves dolls. I mean, yeah. he made Dead Silence. I know
2: he did all of them. Yeah, who wanted
1: know. Dead Silence? I mean, I wanted it, but like, I don't think <laughs> I don't understand how it got greenlit. And I am very—I feel blessed it did. It's scary. Oh, and I, I thought it was scary. too. Um, it's incredibly underrated, and it is like did he
2: did Insidious, also, which also is a great feature of like human that human doll segment. Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, when they, like like in, that
2: family when they're in that underwear oh, yeah. so like, like, dress. Yeah. That's anywhere. like mannequin
1: territory, right? Yeah, yes, that's we true. Talk we can't
2: talk
0: about <laughs> <laughs> That's a different episode. Oh, that's my God. God. I robotic. love
2: to talk about those I also, the other like kind of theme of dolls that we haven't really touched on, but I think is very present in the movie Dolls, the Stuart Gordon movie, as well as it dolls reminded me a lot of puppet master in the portrayal of the creatures where it's like almost like an army mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. dolls. Um, I'm trying to think of another word for doll. <laughs> um, <Action> <laughs> yeah. That kind of group up and have this sense of community that are outside of the people around them. Um, I guess dolls is a little bit different because they're in a house of doll makers and children, which so you can argue that there is a connection there. But in that and Puppet Master, there's, like, just a sense of community among them, like a Toy Story-esque quality to yeah. it mm-hmm. that um, I don't particularly, particularly love, but I did really appreciate it in the movie dolls just because of the animation of them and, like, the little sounds they would make while they were, like bashing this chick's head against the wall. They're just like, (laughs)
1: me. I appreciate that element because they, um, you know, you pointed out in conversations that it's, like, not believable that a doll could terrorize an individual. Right. But I do think it's believable that, you know, that, like, a hundred dolls could terrorize you. Yeah, definitely. And I I know growing up I wasn't afraid of that one doll. It was that, like, my pile of stuffed animals was all going to, yeah, that they were all... (laughs) <laughs> really i was just afraid they were talking about me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and saying cruel things you know <laughs> to me. that was scary enough i was like "Gloria didn't even enter the yeah. picture i was just like they're going to be like shitheads to me yeah. you know
2: do you remember um which
1: by the way is goosebumps all the time sloppy never kills anyone he just destroys paintings. oh
2: my god and like
1: kicks the dog yes. right <laughs> the
2: best the best um <laughs> i sent you this picture like way back when there was one of the Goosebumps episode like Night of the Living Dummy like two, and um there was a family three kids and two parents and they would do these weekly like <laughs> talent shows and like the dad would play guitar, the girl would like do the ventriloquist act with.
1: Slappy. The
2: sun is out of fellatio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the mom confirms, Yeah, right. And then, like, the older sister, like, is a painter, and she painted this, like, beautiful picture of, like, their home in, like, the middle of the suburb. And so that night, you know, Slappy wakes up and gets himself into trouble. And he picks up, like, red paint, which is just beautiful because you have red paint dripping across the floor like blood. And in the morning, we're like, oh, my God, what did he do? Like, was it blood? Was it paint? And the older sister is screaming. And you go into her room and her picture of her house. He had drawn a stick figure family. Like, they're all smiling and happy, but, like, in red paint, like, with slappy in there. It is so good. (laughs) It's very
1: reminiscent of um, that scene in Not Another Teen movie where they're playing Rebel Girl by Bikini Cal while Janie Briggs is, like, slamming paint (laughs) on the canvas. And then the principal... The principal's office calls her out, and she, you see the painting that she's been working on. It, it's just a stick figure woman with a dog. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's did. like blatant comedy, and you know, I would just think my daughter was troubled—not that she was like doing acting out, you know. She just wanted to improve the painting, and frankly, it became an yeah. institutional critique as soon as she added the stick figures.
2: So. Also, Hayden Christensen did appear in one of the Night of the Living Dummies.
1: That's what? I, yeah. I,
2: oh, was that the one you were referencing? Yeah.
0: Before?
2: yeah. yeah. I think he's in so, three. I think you're right. I did on the beach.
0: One thing that's funny about this, and I am not—I don't know Night of the Li- Living Dummies, nor at this point in my life do I plan on finding out anything about it. It's too late now. If you didn't grow up with that specific Goosebumps series, you just did. You're done. You missed it. I begged a difference. <laughs> Still, though, it seems that there's a, a push, right? There's a difference. There's thing, like in Night of the Living Dummy and Chucky. We're talking about satire, and um, Annabelle and those movies we're talking about more of like a haunting situation. And I think in both and in all doll movies, like it's well, and in like horror in general, it's about what's in your clothes in the hand that you have closed, not what, not about the hand that you have open, right? Like if you're showing something to your audience, um, the buildup is what makes it. And so time after time, watching Annabelle, the payoff was like some sort of phantom. And then eventually it's that demon who like, I don't, I, Anytime a demon looks like the demon did in Annabelle, all I can think of is Dave Grohl from the, from the Tenacious Demon. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, it's all I can think of. Yeah. And it's not that scary, but it's, that's my own thing. I wonder if, if you take the audience for doll, like your average doll movie audience, people who like those movies, (laughs) I'm definitely one of them. I, I'm not top of the list, but still, would they rather have a doll movie that, that, um, kind of uses horror elements that, and to move you through like a piece, like a a scene of tension and then relieves with something more satirical or something more haunted. Like, cause they both use the tension, right? Mm -hmm. They both use the horror tropes and techniques, but they end in a different place. Um, and dolls is probably right in the middle, right? And, and would have to be more of an argument with the child's play movies. They definitely play for satire. Yeah. Annabelle definitely doesn't. Um, Dolls. I think Stuart, Stuart Gordon's wonderful because like he just never does anything tongue in cheek. Like he's just so sincere and everything like he does. He does. And it's the perfect melding of like funny and gross, you know, every, like everything I've seen by him. So, so let's get into dolls. Let's talk about it. And let's take, let's, let's take the conversation off the heels of the question. Like, do you think your average fan of doll horror movies prefers a satire uh, satirical spin or taking movies that take themselves a little more seriously. Dead Silence definitely takes itself very seriously.
1: Um, But there's also camp to it, right? I mean, I prefer that films are not directed with camp, but are crafted with camp sensibilities, which I think Dead Silence does. And also, what do you can you break that down? Sure, a bit? sure, sure. Well, so I mean, I th- if you think about the craft of a movie like Dolls, um, we're talking about the Stuart Gordon movie Dolls. The dolls look hilarious. The animatronics are cheap, but ambitious. Um, there's variety, there's color, and there's splendor. And there are a lot of scenes of dolls doing things that are not played purely for laughs, but have, like, a comic tinge, right? Mm. They're sort of black comedy. And to me, like, that's the perfect nexus of a doll movie. I will say that I don't really think you can make, like, a good doll movie anymore unless you're pitching to kids, which I think I wish there was more child horror movies. And, like, I think that that is the best place for sincere doll movies. Otherwise, you have to do a combo, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the intention has to be both. both, I think you're – yeah, actually, I'm losing the plot. Well,
2: are are you asking, like, what would we prefer? Or, like, what do you think just makes for a better movie overall? Because I feel like I have two different answers based on. Let's hear both. I was kind of what you were saying, Alex. I think now it's. I almost feel like it has to be played for satire because you have assholes like me that's going to walk in and be like, oh, like, fuck you, I wasn't scared. Because that's (laughs) what I'm going to see a movie like. That's kind of what I want unless it is what you're saying, like kind of that unintentional, um, basically things that end up being like cult classics. Um, I enjoy that because it's like the intention versus the impact of the actual movie. If your intention was to like be a certain way, I think that's different. I also lost my train of thought like halfway through that sentence. But Ooh, so bad I mean, question
0: from me. The <laughs>
2: vampire, I think has, to happen to actually get people to potentially enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But, like, I, you know, in 2007, when Dead Silence came out, I thought that was a great fucking movie. I was really kind of creeped out by it. I was pretty creeped out by it. Um, And I think it was intentional to be that way.
1: I think also, like, a movie like Dead Silence, um, or even Child's Play, has a lot of cinematic storytelling going on at once that isn't just, like, a doll is alive, whereas a lot of these movies are just greatest... Hits of like doll tropes, you mm-hmm. know, um, which I don't think makes for compelling content. And I don't think it makes for scary content. And I also don't think it makes for campy content unless the doll is like shitting on a toilet, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not compelling at all, which is why I at the very least appreciated either a spin on the genre with child's play or if you think of something like dolls there's like a whole smorgasbord of doll approaches including a doll walking towards the camera (laughs) as though they were any other actor or a doll pushing somebody across the room which really accomplishes nothing except to kill that person and have them continue to be the antagonist but it's fresh by virtue of being like a scene you don't traditionally see a doll be involved with right
0: and 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 i think that in in the case of dolls so Let's Lay Out Dolls by Stuart Gordon as quickly as we can. It's
2: basically
0: uh, <laughs> a it came-to-the-wrong-house kind of movie. Yeah, it's it's a 77-minute movie that, star- that within the first five minutes, father, stepmom, kid driving through some rain, have to find some refuge, go to a house. Seems haunted. Is haunted. And the toy maker who owns it has put all of his haunts in the forms of dolls scattered throughout, and the dolls, of course, wreak havoc on not only the family who who showed up, but also the even more impromptu group of people who show up. And I can't I can't spoil it, so I won't I won't say how I won't say how they're written in. As <laughs> uh, tasty as it yeah, is, yeah, so
2: good. Um, but worth
0: noting
1: that you know this is another situation where the dolls only enact violence on those who forsake them and have yeah. a moral code of their own. Right. The so violence greatness. only occurs, you know. Right, violence only occurs when
0: people do shitty shit right. to the dolls about,
2: which I know? very much appreciated.
0: Yes, I agree. The moral grayness of the of the story and yeah. the, even attempt to make like a morality conversation right. out of the story was very fun. Uh, that's most of what the action. It's most of, so aside from like looking definitely scary. The 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 proprietors of the house the are wet definitely witches. They're they are the the woman is an admitted witch in the movie, and the man makes the toys that are, you know, uh, alive. So probably something like they're it. baller actors too. Yeah, I mean they just kill. And they <laughs> they kill. have the best looks. They in, have like, great any movie. looks, but also they do. Um, they're in the first, scene, they're in the preamble, and they're in the resolution. You know, but the entirety of the rising action and the climax happens with them completely off screen.
2: Yeah, I actually. I'm gonna spoil it, but like anyone who's listening has had 30 plus years to watch this movie. Sure. So my question about the the dolls and just the creation of them. So the man who um, is one of the owners of the house is a doll maker, and but by the end we see the people who were killed by the dolls end up becoming dolls themselves. So in that sense, I'm like I'm curious. At what level is this man actually making dolls? Oh, is
1: he a serial killer is or not? a serial
2: killer? It, like, are all of the dolls people that were killed? And also, I don't know, I was curious about the motives of the dolls, which I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't be reading so deeply into it, but I was asking myself that question at the end. Because the people that were killed that are now dolls, are they just going to kill people? But Tommy, you had brought up the point that, like, their level of morality was already at the floor. So, like... Maybe the people that would
1: kill. I interpret the Dollmaker and his wife as extremely benevolent characters who only kill a quantity of people who enter the house who are, like, explicitly abusive or evil or, like, criminals, essentially, Mm -hmm. and, like, induct them into their group of dolls as a benevolent gesture as opposed to just straight up killing them. Yeah. They make them dolls and you can tell that they're kind because they let other people go willingly and they also act very reluctantly engage in these deaths and transformations um, and aren't the primary antagonists. Like, the antagonists of the movies are the people who end up getting killed. Um, mm-hmm. and Which the is dolls, a total spin. It's yeah. wonderful. And the dolls are just like a weird interlocuting force who have to defend themselves from... What are essentially like cruel giants, mm-hmm. you know, making their homes shitty. Um, yeah. Uh, <clears throat>
0: yeah. That's, that's really, that's a really cool, interesting spin on it. And then it is the spin that, that, that Stuart Gordon's dolls takes. And it's very cool uh, to watch it. Like, you watch a lot, like I mentioned Friday the 13th briefly and the idea of like loss of innocence and like a lot of it, it, loss of innocence in would be victims and slasher movies. This takes that to a new level, right? Like, there is the idea that like, Hmm, like, we, you know, like, like, the, like the old golden age of horror concept that, like, you gotta, like, you gotta make, you gotta put something on screen that shows these people asking for it before you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, they take that and go berserk, right? Because, like, uh, the stepmom is just like, She's like Cruella DeVille, except for like live action. It's amazing. She, They're walking through the woods to the house, and the girl is carrying her teddy bear, and the stepmom turns around, walks back, <laughs> takes the teddy bear, and throws it in the woods, and she goes, you'll move faster without it. Yeah. Which is amazing. I'm like, oh, to be that mean is yeah. oh, inspiring. Good. Well, you can ask me anytime if you want
2: to know what it's like. She's an
1: incre- I really think, think the characters in the movie throughout are hysterically funny i mean yeah. there's an actress named bunty bailey in this movie and oh, the geez. evil yeah bunty and the evil stepmother you're referring to is also i believe Stuart gordon's wife or she's related to him somehow um and she just you know she choose the scenery yeah, i also have to give a shout out to the child who's the star of the movie because i think she's like one of the weirdest and funniest kids in any movie yeah, she-, she looks like a lemur and (laughs) just like fully like, like an animal. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And spent the entire movie trying to convince people that the dolls are evil. Not that plaintively, just sort of like, Oh yeah, I, they're cool, but also they're killing people. Like, duh. Until a character is like, why are you soaked in blood? And she said, it was the, you know, the fucking dolls are alive. <laughs> I said this already. Um, and I really, you know, I don't know. I want to talk about the ending, but can I, yeah, we, spo- we spoiler. I again. just want to say uh, of movie endings, specifically horror endings, like dolls is easily in my top 20 um, because at the end of the movie, uh, the child's parents have died and the doll maker and his wife convince one of the other survivors to adopt the daughter essentially, um, or at the very least return her to her mother. Um, because the mother wasn't in the house the parents are divorced etc and he does this through a note he wrote yeah. <laughs> that he doesn't even allow the child to read no. he just reads it to her mm-hmm. and it says honey we've decided to live without you we're moving to Europe <laughs> goodbye go stay with Ralph now love your father <laughs> he signs the note saying goodbye to his daughter forever your father without even using his first name and then the doll maker refuses to show it to the little girl and casts it into into <laughs> The, fire. the fireplace <laughs> yeah. which is like a deeply hysterical scene I think and, and
2: the <laughs> my friends
1: always we sign notes to each other love your father just I, referencing dolls and then we love that.
0: Then, the, then Ralph goes hey where's, that? where's what that about the girls that I came oh, with oh they're yeah. with Oh, he goes, oh, there's something yeah. about that in the note, too. P.S., we took the girls. And he goes, yeah. can I see it? And he goes,
2: nope. And he yeah. throws it in the fire. Yeah. It I mean,
0: is insanely funny. It is and, so and, funny.
2: And then the little girl, like, they're driving away, and she's like, my mom's, like, pretty hot. If you are interested. <laughs> He's, He's like, like, I don't know. Funny. I'm yeah, Barney
1: sure. <laughs> He looks, by the way, like Barney from The Simpsons. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, God. bro, Yeah, we are... Uh, As we were both watching it yesterday, we were texting with Alex. (laughs) I was quickly deemed the stepmother. Alex was like, I don't think there's any character you've related to more. And I was
1: like, Tommy, you're the most real. Like, you're so real. It's so good. Yeah, I, knew I knew made to help watch okay. it. I also love, um I mean in terms of quotes from this movie, is the monologue the old woman gives about, you know, dolls are kind, dolls are nice along with the man and also when the father screams, Fuck you, clowny <laughs> <laughs> Shortly before spoiler being turned into a doll and oh. an act of
0: protection yeah. for the home and family, you know. Yeah. I just love that he's wearing um, a a golden black checkered pair of silk pajamas, and you're like, why? How could anybody wear that? You I think know? he finds it in the house. No, he must implicitly because, right. Yeah. Because he changes into right, right when he yeah. once when it's all said and done, he gets turned into a doll, and like the clothes the clothes that he's wearing at the time make very like yeah. perfect sense, but. I mean the, the 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 costumes and and like visual production of this movie the way that it looks is just incredible.
1: It's it's, it's fun random. all the way through. The so. animatronics and the in this and the claymation for the doll faces are are some of the funniest in any movies. Any movie that exists, there's one doll that repeatedly pops up that looks exactly like Gloria Swanson from Sunset Boulevard, and I think is directly modeled off of her for no apparent reason. And I also love there's a very gay cowboy doll who pops up in multiple scenes. Yes. and there's a scene where he flicks Miles. his wrist in the air, and and he's like implicitly he's saying yes, and then they confirm that the dolls, you know, all agree yes. But, oh my god, I but forgot about that. he says he, that. Goes, he says
2: yes, girl, you know. <laughs> Um, and the which sounds I like. they all make were <laughs> like yeah. very
0: elfish, like yeah. jingly. Well, they're called elves throughout the movies. I thought I'm that, like, what? well, she's like, well, where the she so goes? She, where do the elves live? Did the elves live in in that room? And they use the word well, elves. Well, I think it's because of she because
2: she heard them behind the door and didn't yeah. know
0: what they were. So they are like humans who, like, been cast a spell upon and turned into a doll. It's completely unclear. I mean, because
1: there's a part where one of the women smashes a doll's face and there's, like, a human blood in a skeleton beneath it. But then, like, it just logistically makes no sense that the doll maker would have killed all those people. When he's cast as so benevolent, like I, and he has a whole doll workshop of just like doll heads and doll bodies that aren't humans, right? Right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's just a mixture of like recombinant dolls yeah. <laughs> made from both corpses and plastic, <laughs> and they're oh, all love. nice. <laughs> um, I love that. I, I do think it's kind of beautiful. And like, I also, you know, you say the show don't tell, and it is true that the people do mean things that get them killed, but they're also incredibly mean from the start, just invading these people's homes oh, and the doll right. makers are like please stay with us you know yeah. do your thing wear our clothes take a shower yeah. and the characters are just like pointlessly inappropriate um in what is essentially a gorgeous mansion filled with dolls and i do love that implicitly like the people have to recap havoc just because like they can't stand a beautiful mansion filled with dolls like yeah. it's too creepy we have to
0: smash like yeah you know, we have to kill things we gotta yeah. like we gotta put we have to put our music yeah. uh, box on the shelf and swipe the dolls off. I think like a and baby in this house. Yeah, oh, we, absolutely. We, we have, we, we've got to steal from it. Like there, there's all sorts of just like non-acceptance of what is different. Uh, and the difference, of course, from what like the... I mean, what our cast as I think they're supposed to be like really white bread. Like, sh- like I mean, the... I don't know. There's some like, there, there are like the quote unquote punk girls, um, who like, I guess, I don't know. You might not argue are as white bread, but like in the instance of the stepmother and the father, like they are just like deplorable from yeah. the top down in every way that like, uh, like a, in, in like a really straightforward way and in, in a non, in like in a non accepting way. And they're put in this like environment where things are different and yeah, they just like immediately start to squirm and struggle and not understand. Like, like everything's gross. Everything's yeah, dumb. They're bourgeois gross. Trash. Yeah. They're yeah. bourgeois trash. That's a good way of putting yeah.
2: it. I think it's funny too. Like, so yeah, these are all part of the dolls subgenre, but as we've been talking about, I've been thinking about how like at its core dolls is a movie about, Oh, you went into the wrong house very much in the vein of like, house of a thousand corpses like Mm -hmm. shit like that and then like annabelle and child's player like oh shit a human error like i fucked up and did something stupid kind of in the vein of like hellraiser where it's like oh i just picked up this weird rubik's cube Mm -hmm. so it's kind of funny that like you can almost lump just a lot of the initiation of horror into like human did something dumb or like wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that's like an interesting kind of initiation to like start the rest of these like various horror tropes that exist within them. It's almost like you have to have one of those two situations to like have
0: Mm -hmm. horror. The force of nature. Chucky's kind of like a force of nature. Um, Yeah. And then like, and, and force of nature originally portrayed through like, yeah, like voodoo mysticism now portrayed through, what I still think is voodoo mysticism, which is just technology, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and then, and then in the, and then in the case of dolls, yeah, def- would we call the dolls, like, what, do they fall more for like the force of nature or, or the wrong place, like wrong place, wrong time? You yeah, I think they're
1: just like magic. And I yeah. think, I think my favorite the thing doll about dolls is it. like, even though it's so violent, it has totally has the air of like a goosebumps or a kids movie, mm-hmm. even though it's like, uh, just too violent for a kid, but I also don't think it would scare them too much, you know. Right. Right. Um, I would categorize that under literally, like, the the wonder and splendor of dolls, which I feel like is not a force of nature I've seen represented in any other doll movie, <laughs> because, like, there's all these absurd monologues that the old man does about just, like, how cool dolls are mm-hmm. and how they're, like, the wall, alive. Wall. He's like, oh, yeah, by the way, dolls are alive, yeah. and they're, like, fucking fun, you know, yeah. <laughs> which you don't get in any of these movies, and it really you make it makes me wonder why not, you know? Why don't we have a scene, in, at the very least, in Chucky where somebody talks about, like, how meaningful it is to have a best friend or something like that, right? And you get that sort of, you get touches of that in child's play, but a lot of the time there is like, not hubris, but just like a fatal loneliness that leads characters to Mm -hmm. bond with a doll. You know, I think in Goosebumps, you see that in Dead Silence, there's implicitly like loss that is making the characters seek out dolls and wonder Mm -hmm. you know what's going on with them in the boy it's like the main character has this traumatic past and it's a huge gaping abyss where it leads her to want to adopt a child basically um in the form of a doll um and I love that I mean I mean that's like the only human element in doll movies that ever resonates with me is like really liking dolls which is why I think I, I prefer the pendulum to swing to either, like, intense appreciation or, like, abject disgust, yeah. um, which is how most of the characters treat Chucky in The New Child's play right. to a funny degree, right?
0: right? Yeah. Versus Annabelle where they're like, this is gross and scary, but just put it away. It's like, God. what? Yeah. There's, a reverence to, there's a reverence in Annabelle that, like, does not need to exist. And it, and it And the minute you take away the innocuousness, I think when you take away the unassuming presence of the doll, then you take away a lot like you need to at the beginning of the movie have the stepfather being like no the dolls aren't living or like the the mom being like hey, you know come on andy of course chucky's not alive killing people you know like yeah. there needs to be like yeah it needs to be innocuous." and and in annabelle it's like it sets it up like the, the, literally they're narrating it to you before the <laughs> any character is introduced they're like by the way, this doll is evil, and everybody knows. And then the it, first you know? scene, the in police
2: text. is like, yeah, in the in police just text. looks and the car is like, oh, nice doll. And, and Edward's like, that's what you think. <laughs> <laughs> i like, oh, it's a bad doll. Bad doll? Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. And well, in, in Annabelle 1, you know, they fucking retcon the Annabelle series. You've seen all three. Have you seen all three? (laughs) Just three?
2: I could never differentiate. Well, they fucking
1: retcon it, because in Annabelle 1, so we know about Annabelle from the Conjuring franchise because she's just an evil doll that Mm -hmm. the Lorraines help exercise. Annabelle 1 establishes that one of Charles Manson's followers attacked a family Uh. and bled the woman bled onto the doll and possessed Annabelle. Then Annabelle 2 is actually a prequel to Annabelle 1 where it is revealed that a demon has always been haunting Annabelle, and at the end of the movie, it's plopped into the house from Annabelle 1, which makes no goddamn sense and means there's basically two different spirits coexisting within Annabelle. (laughs) Annabelle 3 exists after this timeline and literally represents neither of those spirits. (laughs) So not only does the Annabelle movie have no reverence for dolls respect for filmgoers. They also don't even like the other movies in their own franchise, (laughs) which is why, you know, this is my gentle argument. We don't need to go into that. This is like bar none, the worst horror franchise of all time, because there's not a single good Annabelle movie, and all three of them are almost unwatchably horrible.
2: Um, (laughs) Having seen all three, that is the first time I've ever understood what happened. Well, I've seen the (laughs) the
1: first one like three times, because I do think it has a... Uh, There's an element of disgust I feel watching that I appreciate, kind of like watching a Donald Trump speech. There's something pornographic (laughs) about how awful it is, Um, especially one of the haunting scenes where the pregnant wife can't decide whether or not to run back into the parking garage or to take the fucking elevator, which won't go. Is the kind of is the kind of movie scene I repeat to people to blank expressions because they don't understand why I'm talking about it or telling them about it, but I just think it's like hysterically bad um,
0: and really like an incredible low that we should all aspire to improve upon. Right. Um, it is, and that that's that's kind of like what we talked about. We're just like people making the dumbest choices mm-hmm. because you have to play into the hand of the doll. We've discussed that like in order to make it work, there has to be a like a like a a lot of eggs in the basket, even to the viewer of like, "Ah, I couldn't have been the doll, right? Like you need to be able to push the concept that a doll is just a doll. And therefore it requires a lot of that thing we were talking about earlier, human error, being idiots.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. um, Or in the, in the case of dolls and, and the newest Chucky movie being assholes. I think in the case of Annabelle, you have people who are being foolish uh, they don't touch on morality because I think that takes an extra step that, <laughs> frankly, the producers are just not interested in writing about. Um, but in the case of in the case of all of these movies, there is human error has to happen in order for the doll to take the to take a to take the opportunity. Right. right. Um, oh, sorry.
2: I was just going to say, and like that's, I think that's the case in a lot of horror movies, and I feel like I'm more accepting of it in something like Hellraiser. But when it's in a doll movie, I'm like it was just so easy to just not do that thing. Like not take the doll out of the dumpster. And it like infuriates me unnecessarily when that's like the premise for horror beginning and anything like, Oh, I found a book with ancient script. I'm just going to read it. You know? So
0: this book is blown in human
2: flesh. Let's crack it open. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's not you. It's me, but like also it's you like a little bit.
1: I do also think like with, um, the, um, yeah, I do think also with the sort of Chekhov's gunness of dolls in horror movies, like if you have a movie where the title is The Doll and the Dolls and all the the marketing materials, even if it isn't not possessed, you know it's going to be the the locus of all the horror in the movie. As a doll lover and a doll movie aficionado, I also love movies where it's not the focus of the movie because it creates way more ambiguity about what the doll is doing Mm -hmm. and what it means, right? If you have a scene like The Clown from Poltergeist, You know, nobody, I don't think any audiences were walking into that movie expecting the doll to be alive, to move. You know, it could have very easily been set dressing, which, frankly, that's what dolls are, is set dressing, made subjects of films. But um, the choice to, you know, inspire them for portions of a movie or for even one scene often feels fresher just by virtue of not having, like, telegraphed exactly what's going to happen totally. by making it the central character, right? Mm-hmm. And I really wish the Annabelle movies were, like, the Lucky Coin Dude or, like, Conjuring 4, and, like, Annabelle constituted one-eighth of the movie as opposed to
0: mm-hmm.
1: the bulk of it, given yeah. that she does literally nothing, right? It's an empty promise, but... Yeah.
0: She sits on the cover of the of the DVD. Yeah. I think that's about all she You does. either, yeah. You name the movie Dolls, and it's about dolls or not, right? There's no. Yeah. There's no ambiguity there but they do a lot right like there is something treacherous about annabelle because she is she is the poster child for every single thing that that franchise has made but throughout she has not done anything she she is just like you said she's just there in the room you know and then a demon comes out and you're like i don't think you guys watched doll I don't think you. I don't think you got it. I don't think you paid close attention to *Child's Play* or or *The Twilight Zone* or any of the things that go into these movies. Because yeah, *Annabelle* is. I think we've decided like it's a movie with a doll in it, but it's not a doll. It's a horror movie with a doll in it, but it's right. not a doll. They just watched movie.
1: like *I Love the 80s, and we're like, oh, call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> it right. have a fucking script and there like, you go. yeah.
2: Um, I also yeah. had the funniest moment when I was rewatching the original *Child's Play* today. So obviously. I know Chucky is talking to Andy. He really is bad. He's doing all this stuff. But, you know, you're always, well, for me, I'm always kind of waiting for, like, the mom or the parent to get on board with it. Um, so, and again, I, like, had not remembered most of the small parts of what made the original child's play story. <laughs> and so when the mom, played by our seventh heaven mommy. Terry Gar, Catherine um, Hick. Like, she was, so she's in the living room with the doll, and she's trying to, like, go, like, oh, fuck, like, is, this, is Andy right? Is this doll bad?" And she, like, opens the uh, container where the doll came from, and, like, the batteries fall out. And even knowing that, like, I know the doll is really alive, and I know that she's going to find out somehow, I was like, oh, my, like, that to me felt so disturbing. Like, if I was that mother, and I had been hearing this doll, like, talk to my son and all the shit and then I see the batteries fall out. So it was like this one moment of dread that was like really surprising to feel in a movie where I knew exactly the surrounding circumstances but to actually be filled with that little bit of like real human fear of like, oh shit, the batteries weren't in this whole time. So anyway, that was my two cents of like, like the one though. part of the movie that that's
0: sucked like, me up a little. That's like dropping the mug in Usual Suspects right there. You're just like yeah. the big reveal. Yeah. You're like... <laughs> I
1: think the big con with the original Chucky is just that the editing doesn't really hold up. Because mm-hmm. I think in that specific scene you're talking about, that moment of abject horror is great, but then it takes a full four seconds for Chucky to animate yeah. with intensity. And um, that for me is a reason, controversially, that it's like not really the best child's play movie to me. I actually think the sort of reboot that was Don Mincini directed, um, Curse of Chucky, is the best. Chucky movie or at the very least like as good as Child's Play One. Do you want to hear my hierarchy?
0: Yeah, it's fair off
1: We got uh Curse of Chucky, Child's Play, Child's Play Two, uh, Bride of Chucky, mm-hmm. Cult of Chucky, Cult of Chucky, Seed of Chucky. Oh, I haven't put the new one in Child's Play 3, and then I think I need to figure out where the remake goes. I kind of think it's in its own universe, though, so yeah. I don't, I'm don't. i not ready to conflate it. No, okay, all right. Well, to me, the worst is Child's Play 3, though. That movie's, like, borderline unwatchable and has, like, really intense military imagery, including several gunfights that child that Chucky actively participates in. That's
0: hysterical. With, like, I, no horror elements. <laughs> have not had the pleasure we We watched we we watched doll movies, we brought them to the table here. How do we wrap up the doll part? That's well I think gorgeous.
1: I'd like to read a quote from the nineteen ninety six romantic comedy. she's doll that <laughs> <laughs> please Please. please. Help me Jamie, <laughs> you got everything I need hard arms, hard
2: legs, soft heart
0: soft heart. i love you baby <laughs> awesome thank you guys so much for talking um thanks to alex lupella for doing the editing on this thank you to alex white for joining us what a wonderful perspective so happy to get to talk to you nikki get out of here we're over and out fearless movie podcast